Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John in chapter number 2. The book of 1 John in chapter number 2. We're slowly walking through this book verse by verse and just examining the passage in its context. <clears throat> and we see this very important foundational book of the Christian life. Personally, as a pastor, that whenever someone gets to know Christ as their personal Savior, this is the first book that I want them to read for the purpose of letting them know about this brand new life that they have. Letting them know about all the wonderful things they have as a Christian. And that the leadership and the guidance that God gives them. And in this passage here, we can see the Holy Spirit as he leads the brand new Christian and, and not just the brand new Christian, but Christians in general. And this is an important teaching. You know, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we know that the Holy Spirit is God, that it's the great three in one, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, those three in one it's one being, but three aspects of the same being. You said, try to explain that further, preacher. I can't. It's one of those mysteries that we, we understand, sort of, but we can't completely understand because God is much higher than our thoughts, much higher than our ways. He is beyond our understanding, but he wants to be known. That's a wonderful trait about God is that he is unknowable. At the same time, he wants to be knowable. But when we with the Holy Spirit, there's such misteachings about the Holy Spirit that some people take a knee-jerk reaction and shy away from the Holy Spirit because they don't want to be associated with that same idea of what people are doing and misusing, and they rob themselves from the blessings that the Holy Spirit wants to give to us. So with that in mind, notice with me if you wouldn't mind book of 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter 2, and let's pick it up in verse number 18. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, the Word of God says this, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. And I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ he is antichrist that denieth son. whosoever denieth the son the same hath not the father but he that acknowledgeth the son hath the father also let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning if that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you. 
ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teacheth you. But the same anointed teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it had taught you, ye abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming if ye know that he is righteous ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him and if you're in the habit of marking things in your bible will you mark a phrase that we find in first john chapter number two first john chapter number two and verse 20 it says ye have an unction ye have an unction. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to preach that to you. But ye have an unction. Ye have an unction. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, I'm just asking and pleading for your help. Lord, as this explains the Holy Spirit and his guidance in our life, Lord, no one could do a better job describing who you are than you. So the best I know how, I surrender myself, I submit my my thoughts, my ambitions, my goals, my desires, my everything. And I'm asking and pleading that you would fill me with your precious and that you would guide into all truth, that you would say those things to you, that you would teach us about yourself today, that I surrender myself completely and let you do your own work through your precious word. Thank you that we can trust in you and thank you that you can guide us. Thank you for all that you are. And in Jesus' precious and wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we approach this passage here, in the context we have the idea that John is teaching these, this uh, church <coughs> in the latter part of the first century and trying to encourage them on who Jesus is. Remember the controversy that has coming up. That Jesus has already been lived on this earth. He was, he was crucified. He was buried and he rose again. He ascended up to heaven. And that was probably about 60 years removed from this book. So two or three generations of Christian have come up into the church. And a brand new teaching called Gnosticism has come in. That is pretty much denied that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh. It had a denial of who Jesus was. And so John is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to tell the first century church, tell those people, and to say, it's real, it's real. I touched him, I heard him, I handled the word of life. Jesus is real, and he was God, and he was robed in flesh, and it's all true. Everything I told you was true. It was true. And now as he's writing this, he's also trying to warn the saints. And he's explaining about this thing, about the Holy Spirit and the guidance that the Holy Spirit gives. And he gives a special word that's called unction. I heard a preacher says, I don't know what unction is, but I know when I don't have it. (laughs) I, I know what it ain't is what he said. I think he was from the South. But 
What is unction? Unction comes from the same word of anointing which carries the idea of pouring with oil. Remember, oil is always a picture of the of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And so here's the picture that you have. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, the pouring of oil upon us, the pouring of the Holy Spirit on us, that's what the unction is, this anointing, this special work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now with that, since we're talking about Christianity, we need to explain what the Holy Spirit does and how he interacts with our life. It starts, first of all, with salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is the point in our life where we realize that we are sinners. And by the way, we're all sinners. I'm a pastor of a New Testament church, but I've told lies before. How many of you have ever told a lie before? We all have. If you're not raising your hand, we're all liars. You know, you're, you're a liar then. The Bible says that thou shalt not bear false witness. That's one of the Ten Commandments. Another one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother. You know, I'm a pastor of a New Testament church. In fact, I've got many in-laws here, so I could pick on different people, right? Miss Swalheim, she's a member of a church in good standing. But do you know that she disobeyed her folks from time to time? And we can look over and make sure her folks nod her head, right? You know, we've all sinned. My wife's here. And as goody two-shoes as she may be, she has sinned and she has disobeyed her folks from time to time. And her parents could nod her head. And we can go with everyone. Do you know we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God? Now, raise your hand if you've ever disobeyed your folks before. You know, some people raise both hands because, you know, I... Uh, we're all sinners. We've all disobeyed God. And we've broken God's Ten Commandments. And because we've broken God's Ten Commandments, the Bible calls us a special word. He says we are sinners. And because of our sin, we've offended a holy, righteous God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. The Bible says... For the wages of sin. You know what a wage is? A wage is something that we earn. It's a reward. For example, when we go to work, we earn our reward of a payment. We, we earn some sort of payment. The Bible says for the wages of sin, sin is anything we've done against God, whether it's tell a lie or disobey our folks, for the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, because of one little lie, because of one time I disobeyed my folks... I deserve a punishment from God called death. The Bible goes on and explains that because God is perfect, we can't be with God. And when we die, we have to be separated from God. And there's only one other place to go when we die. And that's an awful place called hell. And to receive salvation, I have to recognize that I'm a sinner. And because of my sin, I've offended a holy, righteous God. And I deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But the good news is, is that God didn't want us to go there. So what God did is he robed himself in flesh and dwelt on this earth as Jesus. And he lived the same life that you and I lived. He went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. And then he died to pay the price that you and I owed him. And all that is left is for us to recognize that we're sinners. Because of our sin, we have offended a holy, righteous God. But that Jesus died for us and then he also rose again on the third day. But we must personally ask Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And once we do that, a wonderful thing happens is that the Holy Spirit, who is also God, comes to live inside of my heart. 
He lives inside of my life. And I have as much of the Holy Spirit as I'm ever going to get. But the Holy Spirit doesn't get all of me. That I have to surrender myself. I have to allow Him to have control of my life. But the Holy Spirit, if you are saved, lives within you. And because the Holy Spirit lives within you, He can guide you into all truth. And this is what this unction is talking about. That the Holy Spirit's inside of our life and He can give us a special anointing for testimony, for service, to know what is true. It's the Holy Spirit's job is to guide us into everything that's true. Jesus talks about John 14. He's describing the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm sending you another comforter. That word another carries the idea of something that is the same as. You know what he's saying? He's saying when you have the Holy Spirit is just as good as if I was standing there with you and talking with you. Do you know that you could ask Jesus anything? Jesus, what should I do? And Jesus, if he was standing there, he could tell you what to do. Well, Jesus said the Holy Spirit, which is another comforter, it's just the same that he lives within you. You can ask Jesus anything you want and he can tell us what we're supposed to do. He can guide us in all truth. That's what that special anointing and unction is, especially in this context. So with that and laying some foundation, let me show you a couple things from this passage. First of all, I'd like to show you those that are against Christ. Those that are against Christ. Notice with me in verse number 18 once again. Those that are without are against Christ. Notice verse 18. He says, little children, this is a term of endearment for those who are saved, for those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know it is the last time. Now the Apostle John usually doesn't refer to the man Antichrist when that word Antichrist. Christ is used. It is used mostly in his writings to describe a spirit of Antichrist. That's why he says there are many Antichrists. There are many with this idea of Antichrist. Now let's examine that word a little bit more. The word anti usually have the idea of against. But do you know that word anti also has the idea of replacing? You know what the spirit of Antichrist in this world is? It's not necessarily against Christ, though it is it's trying to replace Christ. It's trying to remove Christ in our life and replace it with something else. You know, Satan, he's subtle and he's a deceiver. You know, if Satan came in here and, or had someone come in here and say, Jesus isn't real, we'd all run him off. But you know what, Jesus, what Satan likes to do? Is he likes to come in and replace Christ. Sometimes with good things, but anything to replace who Christ is and who he truly is. And John is saying that spirit's here. And it's not just outside the walls. It's coming in the church. It's coming within those believers. And I'm trying to warn you that there are some people who have that spirit of Antichrist that are trying to replace the Christ of the Bible with something else. Notice again in verse number 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. He says, you want to know how I know it's the last days? Because there's so many people trying to replace who Jesus Christ is. Verse number 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. Now, 
here it's giving uh, an opposite or it's giving a comparison. It's saying there's some people who have come in with us who have tried to teach us about a different Jesus. Do you know that not everything that says Jesus is the same? And we're not just talking about the Spanish name Jesus either, all right? Those that profess Christians, those religions that say that they're Christian religions, they don't all have the same Jesus. The Christ of the Bible is different than the Christ of the Mormon church. The Christ of the Bible is different than the Jehovah's Witness. May I say that the Christ of the Bible is different than the Roman Catholic Christ that is portrayed? That is a different Jesus. And that is the spirit of Antichrist. They're trying to take Jesus of the Bible and replace it with a different Jesus. Let me tell you the Christ of the Bible is different than the Christian rock or the Christian music Jesus that is portrayed. What they're trying to do is slowly replace who Jesus is. And that's what John is battling in this first century church is that the people are saying, well, God can't be man. So it must be that God came and he wasn't in the flesh. He just kind of appeared like a ghost. And John is saying, no, it was God. It was Jesus. And I touched him. He was real. He wasn't an imagination. It wasn't a fairy tale. It wasn't a hallucination. He's real. And the same thing you heard about Jesus he walked with me and he talked with me he preached to me he ate with me it was real it was real don't take away my Jesus don't replace him with something else and notice what happens with the people that are walking verse 19 and they this is a different crowd went out from us but they were not of us if they had been of us they would have no doubt continued with us But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now, with the context it's said, we've already said that this theme of 1 John is walking with Jesus. So let me use an illustration. Mr. Cyrus, come here. We're glad to have you here. What happens is that if we're side by side right here, we look like we're together. But you know what happens? That if I'm following the real Jesus... And forgive the illustration, but if you're following just a little bit slightly different Jesus, what's going to happen is you're going to walk straight this way, and I'm going to walk straight this way. Now, right now, we look like we're the same. But you know what happens as we continue on in our walks? We get further and further and further away. This, thank you, sir. That is exactly what this verse 19 is saying. Is that after time, guess what? there's going to be some distance between where we're at and where the people following a different Jesus is at because they're going different directions. They have different goals. They're going a different place. And guess what? After a while, they're not of us. There's a clear separation. And if they were of us, they would stay walking with us. Amos 3.3, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? And what's going to happen inevitably in every church is that there is going to be some people who are following the Lord and there are going to be some people who are following a different Jesus and it's going to be more and more obvious after a while and what's going to happen is that those two crowds can't stay in the same place. That one crowd is going to have to go find somewhere else or if the whole church is moving away from where we're at then we got to go find somewhere that that we belong to but it's going to be evident 
But there's differences after a while. When they're still up here, they all look like they're the same and everyone's happy. And, and we've all seen that over time. We've all seen that, that what happens, that gulf becomes too big. Why? Because they're following after a different Jesus. It all centers around Jesus, and I'll show you that in a second. Notice if you wouldn't, let me jump ahead about what the Apostle, Paul, or Apostle John says. Notice verse 26. He says, These things have I written unto you concerning them which seduce you. You know what the spirit of Antichrist does? It's not satisfied with what they believe. They're trying to convince you about something new, something different about Jesus. And that's where it all centers on Jesus. Notice with me in verse number 21 again. But I have not written unto you because you have known not the truth, because you know it, that the, no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is an antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. What is it all based on? How we see Jesus. Do you know that almost every controversy within the Christendom realm all can be traced back, for the most part, of how they see Jesus. For example, we believe what the Bible says, that Jesus is enough to take away our sins. We don't have to add anything else to it. Baptism is not required. Church membership is not required. Good works is not required. Jesus is enough. He was good enough. But someone else says, I believe the same Jesus, but his blood was not enough. You also have to be a good person, and you have to do this, and you have to do this. You know what they do? They've changed who Jesus is. And after a while, you may look the same right at the beginning, but after a while, there's going to be some big differences as you walk. There's going to be some differences. There are some Christian religions that say that Jesus is the brother of Lucifer. That is not the Jesus of the Bible. There are some people that says that what's going to happen is that if you're a good religious person, you're going to be in charge of your own planet. And then what's going to happen, a brand new Jesus is going to be born on that planet and he's going to die for their sins and everything else. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. You say those are some extreme examples. I know, but those are easier to identify than sometimes the smaller ones. For example, there are some people that say Jesus is not coming back. The Jesus of the Bible said he is coming back. You see, that's a little different Jesus. You know, and you're saying, well, I, I'm getting confused which Jesus is right. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit can guide us what is true, and this is truth. This is truth. So we see those that are against Christ. Christ. And I want to remind you, you cannot mix truth with error. That makes it 100% lie. You can't have part of Jesus and then part of a different theology. It has to be all Jesus. To, it has to be all truth. It has to be exactly what the Bible says. So we see, first of all, those that are against Christ. Let me show you some good things here. The second thing I'd like to show you is those anointed by Christ. Those that are anointed by Christ. I want you to notice verse number 20 again. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. So you have an anointing, you have the oil, you have this blessing from the Holy One, which is the Holy Spirit, 
and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, that no lie is of the truth. You know what he's saying here? I'm not telling you about Jesus because you don't know it. I'm telling you about Jesus because you know it. I should tell you more about Jesus. And when you talk about Jesus, then you can't be fooled by the truth if you learn more about him. You know, they say the FBI, in order to be, uh, to, to be a person who spots counterfeits, they don't study all the other counterfeits. They study the real bill. And when you know all about that real bill, you could spot anything that's not true. You know, we don't need to be studying all the other different religions. We don't have to. You know, all you have to do is know the real God and you won't be fooled by it. You know what the truth is. Who is the God of the Bible? Not the God of the little devotional books or the extra prayer books and the commentaries. You study the Bible. Study the Bible. Who is the Christ of the Bible? Notice if you wouldn't mind as it talks about this truth in verse number 23, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. It's all about Jesus. Verse 24, Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning, that if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Verse uh, number 27, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not any man teach you. But the same anointing, remember we talked about the unction in verse 20, now we have it here, the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is true, and is no lie, even as it is taught you, ye abide in him. You know the Bible says that you don't need to be taught the truth because you know the truth. That if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have the God living inside of you. And he can easily tell you, that's true, that's true, or that's not true, that's not true. We'll see that a little bit more in 1 John chapter 4 a little bit later. But do you know that God, the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of truth? Do you know that if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have a truth detector inside of you? You know what happens that is I am preaching the word of God and you are saved with the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That when I preach, there's something inside of you that says, that's true. That's true. You know, if there's someone that comes up and, and preaches or you're watching TBN, I don't know why, but you're watching one of those other religious stations and there's someone that says something that's not true. There's something in you that I can't put my finger on it. I don't have a chapter and verse, but there's something not quite right about that. That's the Holy Spirit can guide us and say there's something off with that. There's something not true in that. He can guide us to what is true. You don't have to, have, what I'm trying to encourage you, you don't have to have some super spiritual guru to say, let me tell you what the Bible says. You have the Holy Spirit live inside of you. He already knows all the truth. He can guide you into all truth. He can say this is right or this is not right. That's the wonderful thing about God living inside of you. You don't need man to show you. You say, well, why do we have a pastor? Because we could always be encouraged in the word. We could always be encouraged to point up to God. We could always learn new things. But you know, as I'm teaching you, it is the Holy Spirit that confirms those things inside of you. That's the wonderful thing that we don't have to be deceived by someone who's trying to teach falsehoods. God can show us what is right. 
and confirm it. So we see those that are anointed by Christ. We saw first of all those that were against Christ, those that were anointed by Christ. One last thing I'd like to show you if you wouldn't mind, those abiding in Christ. Those abiding in Christ. Notice with me back in verse number 24. Let that therefore abide in you. This word abide carries the same thing of dwelling or living. Imagine, if you wouldn't mind, having a little house. So this is where you need to park. This is where you need to live. Let that therefore abide in you, in the context it's talking about who Jesus is, that which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. Now what's the context? These people came to know Christ the same way we were, by recognizing that they're a sinner, and because of their sin, that they've offended a holy, righteous God. But Jesus, who was God, robed himself in flesh, dwelt on this earth, lived the same life that you and I lived, went through the same temptations, the same troubles, and the same heartbreaks. This same Jesus died on the cross, and he literally died. He was buried on the borrowed tomb, and he rose again, and newness of life. And Jesus Christ is alive forevermore. He ascended up to heaven. And it is this same Jesus. You know that's what we started with? And if you just remember that Jesus died for you, that he lived, and that he rose again, then we don't need to be fooled by someone who said Jesus wasn't really God. He wasn't really man. He, you know, and they start changing who Jesus is. We need to go back in how we started. We started by accepting Jesus as our personal Savior. And as long as you keep that same Jesus, that's where you need to park. That's where you need to live. That's where you need to stay. Sometimes people may come up with different doctrines and you say, I don't know all about that. But I know one thing, that he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. All I know is that Jesus died for me and that's where I'm staying. Well, you've got to hear this new fancy thing you're missing out on. No, let me tell you, I'm staying with Jesus. And Jesus died for me and he's what I'm trusting to get to heaven. But you don't understand. You're putting yourself in bondage. I could be, but I'm telling you where I'm at. I'm staying with Jesus. He saved me and this is where I'm parking at. That Jesus died for me. And that he saved me. Notice as it goes on, if you wouldn't mind. <coughs> Verse <coughs> number 25. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Even eternal life. 1 John five twelve. I just quoted it. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You know, it's that simple. If you know that you have Jesus, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus... You don't have eternal life. It's all about, do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? And God wants you to know for sure that you have eternal life. He doesn't want us to hope or guess or think. You know what happens when you start adding to Jesus? You don't know for sure whether you're going to heaven or not. For example, someone may say, well, you know, if you mess up and you sin really, 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 really bad, you can lose that eternal life. You know what happens? People don't know whether they're going to heaven or not. You know, someone may say, well, you can lose your salvation if you do enough sins. I always ask them because I'm curious, how many sins does it take? What sins does it take? Let me know so I don't have to do those things. You know, the Bible says that we can know. And it's just as simple, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. 
But when they add to Jesus and they mess things up, it causes it where we don't have that assurance. We don't have the hope that the Bible gives us. Verse 26, these things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You know something else that we have? The Holy Spirit who seals us unto the day of redemption. And he lives with inside of us. That ye need not that any man teach you, but the same anointing teacheth you of all things. And is true and is no lie. Even as is taught you, ye shall abide in him. Not only does the Holy Spirit abide in us, we need to live in God and abide there. Verse number 28. And now, so summarize it, little children, abide in him notice how many times it's used that word abide now park live here now little children abide in him that when he that's jesus shall appear we may have confidence and be not ashamed before him at his coming you know some people don't like that word confidence i guess they all want us to be mousy little christians but you know i can be confident that I've done what he's asked me to do. I can be confident that that same Jesus is the one who's coming back for me. I can be confident so that way when he comes back, I don't have to be ashamed. Imagine someone who did their best to try to love the Lord, but they had followed a different Jesus. When the real Jesus comes back, you imagine how embarrassed they would be? How they'd be ashamed and said, oh man, this whole time I was serving the wrong God. I was serving the wrong Jesus. They would be ashamed at that time. That's why we need to stick with the Jesus of the Bible. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone doeth righteous is born in him. Here it's saying, here's proof. Not only you, when he comes, but you want to know what, that he's living in you? Do right things. You know what the world does? It does wrong things. That's pretty simple, isn't it? We need to do right things, and that's proof that we're one of his. There should be something different in us that we're doing what's right because we're following the right Jesus. You know, everyone that I know of, it, uh, I've seen people in Bible college, seen people in churches, every time they get a hold of a false doctrine without exception, all of them change the way that they live to the worse. They've changed their standards, things that they didn't do before, they now do. I've watched people that's changed their Jesus, changed a little bit about Jesus, and next thing you know, they're going to bars. And you're like, what happened? You know, you watch people who, um, I know a guy who was a good youth leader. And he graduated Bible college. And the next thing you know, he divorces his wife, shacks up with another man. And you're like, what happened? Well, he changed theology. And next thing you know, everything starts falling apart. This is what it's saying here. That if you follow Jesus, you're going to also live right like the Bible says. If you follow the Jesus of the Bible, you're going to follow what the Bible says. If you follow another Jesus, you're not going to follow what the Bible says. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Are we living what the Bible says? Are we following righteous? Are we trying to please him by following his word? That's some of the evidence that we're following the right Jesus. Remember, before we had the people that were together, because one person's trying to follow the Jesus of the Bible and another one's not necessarily following the Bible, they're going to split. They're going to be at differences and you're going to be able to tell after a while who is following the Bible and who is 
not following the Bible by the way they live their lives. That's pretty simple. We want to stay close to Jesus. We want to stay walking with him. We want to stay with the book here. We want to stay with the Bible and follow the Christ of the Bible. Now, I know that's a little bit more meatier for a Sunday morning, but you know, it's also a good help. I'm just asking you, are you still following the Jesus of the Bible? You say, well, I think I am. Well, I'm also trying to warn you, just like he was, there are people who are trying to deceive you and trying to show you a different Jesus. They're trying to show you a brand new doctrine that no one ever has taught before. Here, John says, I'm not teaching you anything new. I'm teaching you the same thing over again. Just stick with the Bible. Stick with the Bible. Well, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to show what you're missing out on. You know, when you follow Jesus, you're not missing out on anything. You have everything that you need. That's a wonderful thing. You just follow after Christ. Maybe I should just ask some basic questions. First of all, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Do you have the Son? Has there come a time in your life where you realize that you were a sinner, and because of your sin you've offended a holy, righteous God? that you deserve punishment, including an awful place called hell. But the good news is that Jesus came and lived his life, and he died, was buried, and he rose again to give you brand new life. And that you personally came to a place where you asked Jesus to be your personal Savior. You say, well, I don't remember the time or date. Yes, but do you remember the events that go around it? It should be a real event. Just like you were born the first time, For example, if one of you went up to your mom and said, Mom, was I born? They would first of all laugh at you. Say, of course I was. Of course you were. But Mom, how do you know I was born? I was there, right? They could give you a time and a place. Well, just as real as your first birth was, your spiritual birth should be just as real. It should be an event. Maybe it was at a time at a church where a preacher preached the message and after the message you bowed your head and said, I want that Jesus. Maybe it was beside your bed when you were convicted of your sins and you said, Jesus, I need you to save me. Maybe your pr- parents had a privilege of opening up the Bible and showing you from the Bible that you needed a Savior and you remembered where you were at when you bowed your head and you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. As for me, I was in a vacation Bible school in Dallas, Texas and I remember it was August. I remember the pew I was sitting in when a preacher loved me enough to show me from the Bible that I was a sinner and because of my sin I offended a holy righteous God but that Jesus died for me and I remember where I was at when I bowed my head in that August day and I accepted him as my savior and I remember the event I don't remember the exact day or all of that but I remember what had happened around there is there a time where you personally asked Jesus to be your savior then once you've been saved, dear friend, let God guide you into all truth. God can guide you all truth. Stay with the Bible. And be warned, there are many people who are trying to change the Jesus of the Bible. And unfortunately, they're not without the church. They try to get within the church. And they try to teach their little pet doctrines. They try to deceive people. That's one of the main reasons why you have a pastor. You know what a pastor's job is? to guard the church from bad doctrine, from false doctrine, to identify it and get it to stop (laughs) and say, we don't teach that here. You know, we want to help people follow the truth. But you have the Holy Spirit live within you 
and he can guide you in all truth. Trust in him. Trust in him. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.